1: Hello and welcome to the Mothball Prophecies. I'm Samantha Mashburn and I'm Jill Huffman. Today we're joined by someone who came across my TikTok for you page. No surprise there. They are delivering dopamine one pen tap at a time. Welcome to the show, Michael Ray Williams. Hi, Hello. thanks for having me. Welcome.
2: I can't tell you how giddy Sam is. All week. When she, <laughs> when she scheduled this, she was like, I have so many questions. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, well, you got to limit that yep. list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You got to be respectful <laughs> yeah, of yeah. the okay. time. All right, All right. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's funny, I was, um, I had just come across your account and I think I had sent you a message. We were interacting and my husband comes up to me in the kitchen and he goes, have you seen this TikTok? And he turns his phone around and it's your face. And I <laughs> felt so cool. I turned around and went, yeah, he's going to be on the show. And he goes, shut <laughs> the fuck up. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, babe, your TikTok's like a week and a half behind mine.
3: <laughs> That's terrific. Wow. So that's terrific. He
1: made my husband fanboy a little bit. He was like Oh right. Ah. He was like, no nice. way. And I was like, yes, we got him. I should be like a talent well, scout. Like, scooping him up. I'm out. happy to be here. <laughs> uh mostly it's just a gigantic thank you of uh encouraging my intense rabbit holing and fact finding. So that's this whole show. <laughs>
3: Okay, let's go. But obviously, before, right. before
1: we get into your job, we have to get into your collections. Because when I saw it, I was like, okay, he works here, which I'm not going to reveal it yet. He works at this place. <laughs> he has to have an appreciation for things and stories and items. Oh, yes. So what led you to get gather your accoutrement of stuff when you started collecting?
3: Um. So my grandfather, uh, he and I used to go out and we would go rock hounding a lot. Um, he had kind of this preternatural way of going out into the woods and he would just find cool stuff. He'd find, you know, robin eggs that were perfectly intact or the carapace of a dragonfly or, or snake skins or animal skulls or things like that. And and it was the same with, uh, with finding like gemstones and minerals and whatnot. And so I just kind of started collecting weird little natural mm-hmm. things. And I still do. I still have a ton of that stuff all over my house. There's bones and skulls and rocks everywhere. Um, as I got a little bit older and started working and making money, you know, I, I wanted to start collecting stuff in, in the fandoms and franchises that I enjoy. And uh, my favorite movie of all time is Alien, the original Ridley Scott film. Uh, absolutely love that movie. And uh, my first job out of high school was working at Spencer Gifts.
0: Nice. Yes
3: yeah and, and my store actually ended up getting closed and when it closed they like clearanced everything and i bought a bunch of like just alien stuff and people started giving me like i had a bunch of friends that when they went off to college they were you know getting rid of their 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 childhood things and somebody was like well i got this box of old alien toys so here i figured you should have them and or my favorite thing uh, uh and I, I probably should have brought it in here to show you, but uh <laughs> I, have a, I had a buddy of mine who he called me and he was like, hey, man, did you lose a, a, Zeno, a, a face hugger ring
0: mm.
3: at my apartment? And I'm like, what? No. What are you talking about? And he was like, man, I don't know. We had this party and I found this <laughs> ring. It's nice and it's big. And like and I you're the only person I could think of that would. That would have such a thing, and I was like, "No, dude, but I'll take it off your hands if you can't find <laughs> mm-hmm, it." Mm-hmm. And he he said, "He well, let me ask around a few other people, and nobody ever claimed it." So he brought it to me, and it's like this giant steel, custom made face hugger. You know the face hugger, yeah. yeah. But it's a ring, and it's huge, and stuff like that. Like I have, I would have friends who'd go to like yard sales or or, or flea markets, and they'd see a, a alien piggy bank or a, a dispenser or a halloween bucket or just random random alien things and and i just kind of started absorbing it mm-hmm. uh, and i do have a ridiculous i have an entire bookcase just slam full of it i actually don't have room for everything i need to do some rearranging i don't i don't
1: um, i don't see a problem with that
3: <laughs> <laughs> no i mean me neither it's there's stuff that makes me smile you know i'm not ai don't really i'm not really a materialistic kind of person like i don't uh I like giving gifts to people and I like receiving gifts. It's one of my love languages, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't have a lot of attachment to, to things. Yeah. Uh, I, I, when I, you know, I had kind of a tumultuous late teen, early twenties in terms of my living situation. So I ended up moving a lot and I lost a lot of stuff. Mm. You know, when you're, when you have to, all your stuff and move over every every you know in these regular increments Mm -hmm. and stuff starts to kind of fall away you got to kind of not have that attachment yeah so i don't have i'm not a super materialistic person the you know not i don't i don't if i go to the store and i see an alien toy i don't buy it immediately but if it's something like unique if it's something that speaks to me in that moment maybe i will but i don't have to like buy everything there is you know what i mean?
1: Yeah. You strike me as the oh. type of person where, like, a letter, a postcard, a photo, like things like that, would mean more to you than having yeah. like a collection of stuff that makes you happy. Yeah. Like those things would be like, look at all these great yeah. people. I uh,
3: my favorite, my, like I said, that ring and the 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 toys that my friend gave me that were his like childhood alien toys. Mm-hmm. Like those are my like my favorite things in that in that collection for for that reason. For you know that that face hugger ring like somebody made that like uh, it was is i guarantee they used a toy of the face hugger to make the mold to pour the metal to Mm -hmm. cast it like somebody that was somebody's like blacksmithing project or ring smithing project (laughs) or something you know and the fact that my friend had this party and found it and couldn't find anybody else to claim it and you know just yeah. thought you, know, you should be the one to have it or like somebody
1: it. was like shit i stole that i can't fess up to it now it's just <laughs> lost in the abyss he's like oh right. fuck i didn't <laughs> a heavy son of a bitch fell out of my jinkos or whatever pants it, they're wearing honestly
3: it was amazing it's amazingly heavy like it's a very heavy ring it's huge
1: yeah i well yeah also i can't imagine it's like a comfortable ring to wear like it's, it's you're, not you're caught on everything it's
3: not it's not. So the so the the hand the, the little the little you know spidery legs wrap mm-hmm. around the finger and the tail goes up your hand. Oh. So it's not like a
1: it's not a cute little like, like you would not
3: notice little, that would be I, gone I, if
1: it was not you on would give hand. somebody a concussion. <laughs> no.
3: Uh <laughs> a and, face I mean hugger. you could back you could you could definitely
1: Somebody like, starts talking shit about sigourney Weaver. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Absolutely not.
3: I've only I've only ever like worn it, like worn it, worn it like once. I went to we uh I do some film work and this film company that I used to do a lot of work with, we were at a convention. And when you go to these conventions, you know, there's like horror movie people there and sci-fi people there. You kind of, you know, there's, there's a certain way you dress. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, I've worked at Comic Con.
1: I am. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: So I was like, I'm going to wear my xenomorph, my, my face hugger ring, because I never wear it anywhere. And then I realized why I never wear it because it's really just a terrible mm-hmm. accessory. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful, it's very well made. But I never wear it. No.
1: I had those same feelings about the stilettos that had the spikes all mm-hmm. the way around where like the heel is. And like, I'm, like I would just eviscerate my ankles wearing yeah. those. I understand, yeah. I understand it's a look, I understand, you know, but look. also stitches. You know? Yeah. But I love that it started, like your journey of appreciation of things started with such like little wondrous things in the yeah. wild. That yeah. was kind of, we didn't necessarily do that, but that was the first moments of wonder I kind of remember were being out in nature and finding things and realizing where they came from and all of that. And I have always been like a rock collector, like, yeah. but I never got into like gemstones and minerals fully in depth, and which is surprising because of where we live in yeah. Idaho like there's tons out yeah. here but isn't and correct me if I'm wrong in the Carolinas there's a lot of crystal like reserves right and like you can really just go out and fight
3: so, there's a section of north and central North Carolina that's called uh, the gem belt and it's uh, a section that runs through the Piedmont and if I'm, I'm pretty sure that it goes from like West Virginia kind of diagonally across North Carolina into South Carolina and Georgia and in uh, this and it, uh, there are a lot used to be lots of mineral gem and mineral mines all over the place there still are and a lot of them have turned into sort of touristy kind of mm-hmm. kind of stops my grandfather and i actually used to go to one in hiddenite north carolina hiddenite is a mineral uh and there used to be this hiddenite mine out there it was uh used as flux i believe in metalwork mm. and we would go to hiddenite and you can uh, Either go out and dig your own buckets or buy a bucket that they, they uh, all of the universities will send their geology students out there to do their geology work. Wow. And so they dig these buckets and you can like buy a bucket for 20 bucks and pan and they'll be, you're guaranteed to get some amount of gemstones out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, North Carolina has a whole big swath of, of mineral veins that runs right <laughs> through the center of the state and out towards the mountains. It's also one of the, the, the there's, there's gold in the mountains in North Golden, Carolina Then well. there hills? There's gold in these hills. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, so, that is yeah. Uh, very similar to here. There's, you can gold pan pretty much in any stream. There's a Spencer mine, the Spencer Opal mine. And oh, yeah. they used to do that bucket thing where you could buy a bucket or buy a bag and do it. But I don't know if it was because of COVID or something else, they stopped doing it and you can just go buy a bag of it and like, I don't know, take it home.
3: I know that a number of the places that, I mean, lo- I mean, lots of places all mm-hmm. stopped doing what they were doing normally because of because of the, the dark times. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I know that Hidden Night is back to doing their, they're their back to, you know, having people out. Um, but yeah, there's a lot uh- of that in North Carolina.
1: Yeah, it's similar to here. You kind of can go anywhere, quote-unquote rule, and find a gem shop or a gold mine or something that will allow you to do like the trough thing and Mm -hmm. all that jazz. But I think that's great. Um, My friend Melissa, our friend Melissa, has like a rock collection and mineral collection and fossil collection and all of those things. And she has them in these little like the nuts and bolts bins that you see in an old Mm -hmm. man's garage. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I picked one I, up one day and I was like, what is this? She goes, "My rocks." And I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to <laughs> My rocks.
3: I uh I had my own like collection that that's gotten pretty sizable over the years and then when my my grandfather passed away uh, about 6 or 7 years ago and he uh I inherited all of his. So, uh I my collection like just exploded. <laughs> I've just got boxes of rocks. <laughs> Um and some stuff I've like picked out and displayed and you know I I have like a, a display box for for just some select pieces. I started when the actually when the the pandemic really got 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 cooking, <laughs> uh, I started doing lapidary work as just a hobby. Oh nice! Uh, here at home, um, I have some tools, the Dremel Dremel tools mostly, um, and just started doing some cutting and polishing, hand cut sort of stuff just to see if I could. You know I had. My thinking was, I right, well, I've got all these rocks. <laughs> so I'm going to just try to do something with some of them, I guess. And I, you know, I've had a pretty good good time with it. It was a fun, creative thing, and I have made some pretty necklaces and and a few bracelets and display pieces and things like that. Um, so I like I like having them and and also trying to you know assign some sort of creative practicality, I guess,
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh, to having them too. <laughs>
1: to having rocks. Yeah,
3: yeah, but do you, I do. I just have, like lots of rocks.
1: That's rocks, uh, rocks. perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Do you have certain ones, like certain types of gems or minerals or rocks that are your favorite to collect, like ones that you'll always kind of pick up?
3: Yeah, I really like uh, uh, fluorite. I really like um, uh, uh, honeyed agate or, or carnelian. Anything that's got these like sort of reds and yellows, I really have have a. a I'm really drawn to. Um, uh I really like amethyst That's one of my, my birthstone so you know purple's my favorite color so you know amethyst and, and there's a lot of amethyst in North Carolina mm-hmm. uh, a lot of emerald as well and barrel um, Wow. But yeah, those are the ones that tend to tend to get my attention.
1: Now, do you align with the spiritual properties of gems and minerals and crystals or is it kind of a like in and out kind of thing?
3: Uh I mean, I don't certainty is what's what's the line certainty is one of the many tools of the devil uh i don't i don't really i don't like a hundred percent believe in, in in that part of it but i also don't a hundred percent not believe in it i mean yeah if it works for you it works for you i'm mm-hmm. i'm a very science minded person and i know that like energy and uh, is a thing that that cannot be destroyed it only transforms and thoughts register as a form of energy so you know if somebody picks up a gemstone and it they feel something and it makes elicits some kind of feeling in them. That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. great. I have my grandfather's Shiva piece. It's a Shiva Lingam uh, worry stone oh. that he carried in his pocket for 40 years. Wow. Uh, so, you know, and it makes me feel better when I carry it around. Mm-hmm. Now, whether it makes me feel better that I carry it around because it was his or it because it's a piece of Shiva Lingam, I can't speak to that, but I know that it elicits a feeling in me and, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to, I'm not going to, Write off anybody else's uh, feeling uh, in in a similar regard mm-hmm. yeah
1: i agree with you on that i think that with anything in life whether it's a material item or a spiritual item or anything like that it is the way you feel or the way that item makes you feel whether good or bad that should be important to you not necessarily Absolutely. there where... are more
3: things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in our philosophies Horatio. Yeah, uh and like that that actually is really like a speaks to to my work as well because that's part of part of our whole thing is to try to like connecting people with those experiences with those meal those memories and those feelings Uh, and that's pretty cool
1: yeah and I think I have one other question before we get into it because I we have to have this bonding moment of I was also a theater kid nice and did theater all through high school and all of those things awesome so I just wanted to ask you about like with this leading towards like um, the things you find personal or special because I know you're still acting you have art all of those things into it like how do you think the theater kit thing helped get you to where you are now like what was that spark that you were like I gotta continue this journey
3: um, I think that my my theater background uh, the biggest boon to it, and everything else that I do is, is that it makes me open. It makes me like my, my whole like philosophy as an actor is you have to be open. You have to be receptive to whatever, mm-hmm. you're whatever you're getting, uh, you know, be it on stage or in the moment or whatever. And that's just kind of how I try to, you know, walk through life, mm-hmm. uh, and when I get when when I applied for this job and, and started doing it, you know, I very much just that was this is what we're doing. I'm committing to that. I'm just gonna be open to the experience and open to to whatever I'm receiving and and you know hope that it uh is beneficial in some regard. And I think it, it has been. And mm-hmm. I definitely I know that the, the my theater background uh and my theater experiences have at some time I can talk to anybody about anything. Usually uh, I think that that has uh, obviously had a big impact on the, the TikTok success uh, is having that kind of, you know, I'm not doing a very good job of it at this moment, but in that, you know, that, that, that being able to connect with people uh, over a subject in a seemingly meaningful way, mm-hmm. you know, in the in way, in a way that you communicate. Yeah. And, and the theater has obviously like really helped me to, to form that foundation. Mm-hmm.
1: I will agree with you. Cause like meaningful conversations should be like the most important thing of like your daily, the way you move through life, right? You should be talking to people cause you genuinely would like to know. Yeah what they're about what they're doing like i've done hair for 14 years and i think that coupled with choir and being on stage and when you're on stage if you've never been in like in theater or performed in any capacity you really do get to put on this like invisibility cloak of who you are when you become a character yeah and you get to act in ways that the audience is going to accept and then go oh Maybe I could do something like that, or maybe I could do this, or maybe, or you could act in ways that you would never act in person, mm-hmm. and it's a really beautiful way to kind of flesh out what's important to you. Maybe that's too philosophical and, like, nonsensy, oh, no. but.
3: No, I, I I 100% agree. I think that engaging in the 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 type of acting and the type of theater and, and character work and, and, and education, really, because that's another thing, too, is I, I like to just read, and I like to to learn as much as I can. I did a class, a virtual class. Um, it was in two parts this past spring and fall uh, with the Chicago Dimidov Institute. And uh, Dimidov uh, acting technique is this concept that um, you basically, like it, it strips away all of the in-depth character background sort of approach to, to character development. You are given a set of circumstances, uh, usually just a couple lines of dialogue and you empty out everything that you're thinking and feeling. You put away everything and sort of compartmentalize and then just sort of try to express as honestly as you can in the moment based on whatever your impulse is. Mm. Uh, and And it was really, really cool. And it took me a while to kind of get it, but but it's really like helped me sort of have not really drastically changed the way I look at it, but, but it's, it's added another like focusing lens to, to my understanding of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, I definitely think that, that it, it has just been a huge credit to my ability to sort of interact with the world around me and, and move through it in a way that I feel is, is I, where I can have that connectivity, you know, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because the general way of, well, there's, I, I cannot think of the name of the method. But you really fall into like, who exactly the character is, you live the character, you speak like, method the character. Uh, that's yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, that's, I think, the most common place, I would do a similar thing when I'd play a character, especially one written in some obscure, you know, play where they don't really have a background of like, what would they, like, how would they react to this? Like, what is their, like, fundamental building blocks of their life? And try not to put too much of like your own stuff into Mm -hmm. it which is helpful right that's also a helpful thing when you're acting but that sounds like a really interesting way to approach a character or building a character for something
3: anything that's like impulse and instinct driven because because one of the things that the facilitator uh, of the class says early on is that you don't take that kind of class to learn how to be an actor when you go to that class you're already an actor and that's true everybody is an actor and to, Mm -hmm. to a certain extent uh, you're not there to learn how to act. You're just there to kind of learn how to get out of your own way and allow yourself, give yourself permission to follow your instinct, mm. because our instinct usually leads us in the right direction, usually. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, so giving yourself permission to listen to it, to and to commit to it is is the kind of the whole crux of the of the of the philosophy of the discipline, um, and it's great. It it really like. Uh, I got to do a show, one man show, uh, several months ago. That was like the perfect script for that technique mm. because it was entirely sight read. Wow. The performance sight read. Uh, the actors not allowed to see the scripts before the performance, and uh, and it was insane. But it was very very cool and very very moving, and and gave me this really unique opportunity to flex a bunch of muscles that I haven't gotten to flex in a really long time. Um, but to try out this approach to, to just listening to your instincts and it's been great. And that's really what, you know, Yeah, this last year really has been more about is me trying to like, listen to my instincts a lot more. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm glad I'm doing it because it's, it's yielding some pretty cool, pretty cool stuff.
1: Isn't it? Uh, I, I, Uh, will agree with that also of Jill's like was doing this like knowing not as you're talking because we're very similar in what we do like I talk to people for a living right behind the chair and when we were starting this podcast Jill and I had a very honest conversation about the people we were going to be on this show right like was it going to be a persona like what we do at work where you're presenting yourself in a professional way in a digestible way To the general populace or were we going to say fuck a lot and say our opinions (laughs) and, you know, be who we are when there's nobody around and we decided to do that and Jill and I were so sick for like the two weeks leading up to the (laughs) launch of the show because it was that first time of just going like, you're releasing this and you don't get to see how anybody uh, takes it in or what they're saying or what they're not saying. And that was terrifying, but it's been a beautiful like metamorphosis for the both of us of having the freedom to be like, there's a very specific group of people that we could just roll into a conversation with and it would just be like old friends. And that is so rewarding to, great. to go through that mm-hmm. and to be able to be like, oh yeah, that's right. I get to say what I want to say and nobody's going to like wash my mouth out with soap. Maybe. Jill might at some point. <laughs>
3: haven't yet so any opportunity you can find to just sort of relax and just be is is, is just awesome Mm -hmm. but I can't stand masking you know like I can't Mm -hmm. and I can't like I was one actually one of my biggest anxieties before I started the job is because I had been out of the public workforce for so long Mm
0: -hmm.
3: you know I was doing contract work and gig work where I was by myself a lot or I was doing film and theater projects and uh, I hadn't had like a real job Mm -hmm. you know adult job in a long time and I like was freaking out about it because I you know I was I had I can't I can't go in there and mask every day. I just can't mm-hmm. do it. I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, I, you know, I find myself the atmosphere is amazing and and I haven't I don't have to do that, which is which is great. That's wonderful.
1: Yeah. I cool. um was diagnosed with ADHD in August of last year. And since then it's been this journey of understanding that and my biggest one was realizing how often I was masking before I was diagnosed and mm. things I was doing that I thought everybody did. Yeah. You know, before I, you talk to somebody and yeah, getting into this stage of, and I think some people interpret it as me being an asshole or me being this or, but I'm like no longer being the version of me that shows up for them in a way that's nice for them, like that they right. enjoy. Where it's just like, no, right. this is, and mask wearing. Lit- the literal mask wearing also ruined me because I was covering half of my facial expressions
3: yeah, it's, so, it's so easy to hide mm-hmm. yeah
1: Yeah. now I needed
2: a whole face mask for that mm-hmm. you You just have to look at it- well and it's funny because I have some friends that listen to this and they're like you say you don't act like this in their real world professional but you do <laughs> they're like there's no difference and I was like that's good to know Yeah. Which is good for work, right? Yeah. 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 It's like, you know, when I have that asshole patient, I'm just staring. I'm like, all right, let's go. And they're like, your eyes 100%. Go fuck yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm done with you. Mm -hmm. We're bringing out the blunt needles. Yeah.
1: (laughs) There's times when I, we will be talking to somebody and I'll like, get this just like whiff from Jill of like, oh shit, she is mad. And I'll just be like, so anyways, we gotta go. (laughs) And I'm like, what's going on? She's like, I was, and I was like, I saw it. It's (laughs) like a thermometer. Like you just. There's, yeah. It doesn't happen very often. She's got a really long fuse, but I do. It's very funny. Good Good to know. (laughs) It is. Yeah. She's not mad at you. She likes you. You're good.
2: (laughs) I know. Everybody's like, you're quiet. You hate me. And I'm like, ooh, no. My quiet yeah, is I'm just listening and in, taking it in. I was like, you'll know when I don't like you. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's funny because our husbands don't really understand like our relationship as friends and business owners. So when my grandma died back in February, there was kind of like this tornado of shit that's happened in the last eight weeks. And um, her husband goes, have you, have you heard from Sam? How's Sam doing? And she was like, uh, she's fine. And he goes, well, have you talked to her? And she's like, no. And he's like, how do you know she's fine? She's like, I know. If Sam needed she'd just message me. And he's like, what? And so then she's like, hey, I'm checking on you because my husband's panicking. And I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good.
2: Yeah. I just, I know. I just know.
1: I just know. I also don't
2: want to be that asshole. Like, are you okay? You're okay. Do you need me? Do you need me? It's like, no. And I told him that. I
1: was like, Sam, if Sam needs me, I'll Mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Generally, if I go, I have to call you. She's like, yeah, got it. Roger that. Let's talk. But I have to imagine that like transitioning into your job now and being able to sit as the person you are, the person you like yourself to be, and then have it rewarded probably feels like the best thing, right? Um, yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, uh, it has been a rough couple of years. For everybody, mm-hmm. you know, that's not just that's not me pity party or anything like with collective trauma, you know, like I'm very aware of that, hyper aware of it, you know, being sort of an introverted empath kind of person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been just a rough, a rough time. And uh, these last, you know, so 2019 and the 2020 was supposed to be like a big year for me because we had a, a film project that was shot in 2019 that was getting picked up for distribution. I was in a, a touring theater show. Uh, I had film contracts that were coming down the pipe and then it all just disappeared It all. Full stop, full stop. Wow. And, and then my, my wife and I, we, you know, had some, some financial turmoil and stuff because of job changing and, and stay at home orders and all of a sudden, you know, again, stuff that everybody lots and lots of people were dealing with
0: mm-hmm.
3: and uh, gradually making, you know, strides and steps towards, towards being in a better place through through one thing or another. This past fall is the first time I got back on stage in a long time. Uh I had got contracted to direct a production of Sweeney Todd. And uh about three weeks into the rehearsal process, my lead uh dropped out. <gasps> and the I had done the show once prior, uh years, eight years prior. And the producers uh for my show and the, the people at the theater just asked me to step into the role since I had already done it before mm-hmm. and uh, As Sweeney, they, right? As Sweeney. Yeah. And and my wife was love was Mrs. Lovett, so I obviously wasn't gonna pass that opportunity up. And and it was great. And it was really, really cool and really rewarding and 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 kinda I was like, okay, I'm ready to like I wanna start pushing pushing in directions that make me feel a bit better, you know. Mm-hmm. And and Taking the taking the job when I did the the my actually my assistant director he was my originally my choreographer but he stepped up as assistant director when I took over the role uh, he started working at replacements uh, in November and would not shut up <laughs> about how great it was. I'm being 100 uh, <laughs> percent truthful. This dude, first off, his name is Anthony and he's one of my very dearest friends. I hope I hope that he listens. To Hi, this. Anthony. I to say hi to
1: Anthony.
0: Uh,
3: <laughs> he's basically a Bang energy drink brought to life. <laughs> like if 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 he were in the Beauty and the Beast, the uh-huh. castle he got cursed, he would be like a living Bang <laughs> energy drink. <laughs> Just- rain, u- rainbow unicorn, whatever oh flavor. Oh my that god. Is. Uh, <laughs> And he would not shut up about how great this place was and how great, this you know, he got hired and uh, he's, he's in HR, uh, but he wouldn't shut up at how great the company was. And he knew I was looking for something like more serious. I was doing gig work at the time mm-hmm. as a inventory data analyst and it sucked. Yeah, that and was, was, was soul sucking. Oh God, it was, oh. and I, and, and I, and I, I got myself into that that place where like I told myself you can't you shouldn't complain. You shouldn't complain. You've worked way worse jobs than this. You've <laughs> way worse jobs than this. At least you're not I didn't have any like asshole bosses leaning down my neck. I got to listen to music. I was being up and active and moving around. I got to set my own schedule, which is both a blessing and a curse, really.
1: Is that the one time. with like the hip ca- the kip calculator and you're like counting chips I had, and like, stuff?
3: like a I had something I wore on my wrist Whoa. Was, like, my phone. Like and a Bluetooth. pit boy, but for inventory. It was yeah, it was it was like a less cool pit boy. <laughs> uh, with a with a Bluetooth scanner and just going around collecting inventory data. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they were paying me fairly well for the work. It was very low stress, and, and but it just sucked. It just sucked. Mm-hmm. And I, I, again, I don't have that job anymore, so I can I can feel like I can say it sucked. Uh, uh, sorry
1: if you're listening to this while doing inventory sorry, sorry. data. I,
3: no, I, I told my supervisor when I emailed her to, to I, I never even had to talk to my bosses. I could, we could communicate entirely through email. Wow. insane. I told her straight up, <laughs> not, not, it may, I did it in a more tactful way. Yeah. Sure. But I told her how much I hated it. Uh, and, and she totally understood and was like, sorry to see me go. Cause I was like one of the few people on her team that was actually like communicative and, and, you know, mm-hmm. anyway, anyway, Anthony started working at replacements in November. Uh, we had closed Sweeney in October. So he started working there in November and just, from November to December. He just wouldn't shut up about how great it was. <laughs> and then this position opened up in, in China Crystal Inventory. And he was like, you should apply. You should apply for it. I'm not going to, he he didn't like pull any strings or anything mm-hmm. like that. He was just like, I'm going to give you the person's email address so you can contact them yourself and and you should just, you should just apply. I think you'd, I think you'd love it. I think you'd be good at it. And I'm like, okay.
1: All right.
3: <laughs> okay. Big energy. And and I was, yeah, right. And I, I was at the time. I was also doing some substitute teaching gigs at a Montessori school that I really liked. I really loved doing that. I like, I like working with kids. And uh, you know, it came this like tug of war. I was like, because they were wanting to offer me a more permanent position.
0: Wow.
3: Um, but decided just, you know, like I said, we're just going <laughs> to commit. We're going to commit. We're going to follow that instinct, and we're mm-hmm. going to commit. When I went in for my interview, uh, one of the guys who interviews, he's interviewed me. He's one of the supervisors in our department. Uh, his name's Chris, and he's a big nerd. He has this, he had this same cup, but it was covered in like Avengers stickers. Nice. He was wearing a Star Wars. It's Jill's
1: Willhouse is the. Avengers. He was
3: wearing like a a bind rune necklace and Ooh. some some like gemstone bracelets. Like I was like, okay, yeah, all right, all right. Meant, yeah, yeah, good, I mean, good vibe, good vibe. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, ever since then, it's just been you know just building up more and more, uh, like how well I get on with everybody, and and yeah, it's great. It's weird. Like I'm, I'm kind of a pessimist, (laughs) uh, and, and have struggled in the past with a bit of cynicism. I try, I'm trying very hard to not, to not be a cynic,
0: Mm
3: uh, as I get older, um, because it just, it's just a miserable way to be really. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I keep keep having these like oh, I'm just waiting for the other foot to drop. I'm just waiting to, for the other foot to drop. The company will really be run by like reptiles. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna harvest my. It's a whole
1: That's team like of right possums. Here.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's actually they Everybody's actually just a <laughs> possum uh, But but no, it's it's consistently been really great, and I'm good at it, and they like me, and I get to I get to uh, you know, it's the damnest thing. Like I can't understand. I can't really explain it. I can't really explain like what it is about the work itself that it keeps me engaged. It's fascinating. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't collect China or crystal. I don't have any aspirations to collect China or crystal. Like I said earlier, I'm not really a materialistic kind of person. Mm -hmm. Uh, But one of my, in my first couple of weeks of training, you know, we're doing unboxing and I unboxed some dishes that were the dishes that we ate off of when I was a kid. It was this Correll, uh pattern uh this, like amber butterfly i think mm-hmm. is what it's called maybe, and that's the dishes that we ate off of when i was a kid and i hadn't seen any of those dishes since i was probably 13 or 14 they're like wow okay mm-hmm. i get it I get it I, i'm not gonna buy these plates i don't want <laughs> and, I, and i don't and i haven't check it back but, in in like, six months but all of a sudden like i was like no i get it okay that mm-hmm. makes sense that's like a warm fuzzy feeling you know mm-hmm. those are the casserole dishes that my grandma used to cook out of mm-hmm. like that's, that's a warm fuzzy feeling yeah uh so it it's it's crazy and this tiktok stuff like like I said, before we started, I is completely blindsided, just completely blindsided. I've been on TikTok for three or four years. I joined because a filmmaking friend of mine uses it to fundraise. And oh. he was like, and he made a thousand dollars overnight for a commercial shoot. And I was like, wait, what? I want to understand this TikTok thing. Right <laughs> and, 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 and I, and I, again, I, I, I like to research. I like to understand how things work. So I like, poured myself into just kind of trying to understand the app and the algorithm and, and the hashtags and how, and what, what trends and why it trends. And once you have something that goes viral, what you're supposed to do to try to capitalize, you know, this, that, and the other, It's sort of like technical. It's so fucking overwhelming. It really is. Mm -hmm. And, and. Trying to, like, articulate, like, I can't really, like, if somebody were to ask me, like, well, how do you do it? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I can't, (laughs) I don't know. I don't have the, I don't have the words to explain it in a digestible way, Mm -hmm. I don't think. But, you know, it's, it's, like I said, just blindsided. You have no, there's no way to predict what's going to go viral. And once it does, that's just, you just kind of have to grab on and, and try to follow it. Yeah, it's
1: terrifying. It's It's terrifying. terrifying.
3: I always try to describe
1: like TikTok versus Instagram. Instagram is and has always been aesthetic purposes, right? It's beautifully curated things, inspiration, you know, like a Dido album, you know, it's just lovely. Everybody's (laughs) happy to be there and listen to it, It pleases everybody. TikTok is a little bit more uh, Battle of the Bands. Mm-hmm. And the more authentic and like natural talent that is involved seems to draw people into it where brands that are very successful and they make marketing campaigns struggle on TikTok because it comes across as uh, storyboarded and put together and Instagrammy where if most of is- the stuff like that one TikTok that went viral of the girl hitting her hip on the bedpost oh, yeah. and then everybody was singing songs to it. I'll have to see if I can find it to play it. It's It's like shit like that that makes us all realize like we're human or this is funny or interesting. Like mine was a hair chain that I have that's like 50 some odd inches long. Hmm. And it was that, that's disgusting, give it to me now, sound. And I just recorded it on a whim and then I was working on show stuff and my phone started to like vibrate off of my chest. And I was like, who? what's going on in the group chat? And I open it and it had like 27,000 views in like two hours. Cool. And I was like, Oh God, uh, it's happening. <laughs> oh God. And then I had an anxiety had couple, attack. You
3: know. I've had a couple of videos go viral prior to the, 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 the replacement stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them have been just stupid jokes, stupid humor. Um, and that's nothing wrong with that. No. It's great. Great. I, I pride myself on my stupid humor. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I remember I recorded that TikTok. Cause again, I don't, I can't speak to why but <laughs> that that moment that that you know tapping a plate and then making me giggle. That's a very real thing. It is, and it happens every day, <laughs> consistently. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I just, I, and I had been it's a funny thing is I had been meaning to to record it multiple times. So I just, but I, I just don't like, right. I just don't think about it. It's like, about putting where am I gonna put my phone but then I was like that one day I don't know why but that one day was a Friday I was like all right I'm gonna do it today and I posted that video at one o'clock on my lunch break and we had a show that we went to that night in Raleigh uh, a friend of ours was doing Midsummer Night's Dream <laughs> excuse me and we got out there pretty early because my wife was ushering and uh, I don't have TikTok notifications turned on because Sponge. because because it's just it's just too much. I actually don't have any notifications turned on except for Discord and my text messages. <laughs> it, priorities. I can't, priorities. I cannot stand it. Mm-hmm. And, and even my Discord one is very precise. Like mm-hmm. it's only if I get tagged or whatever. Anyway. Uh I'm just sitting in the park, it's an outdoor show, uh, waiting for the show to start. And I just pull my phone out, like you do. You know, I finish eating and, and I go and there's Two hundred fifty thousand views. I'm like, What? Because that hadn't happened since I had done a stupid Rob Zombie parody video like several months prior that that got some pretty good amount a good amount of attention. Um, it actually made me kind of mad at first because <laughs> I, it was this like very low effort. You're like this is the one. Uh, you know, like you know, like mm-hmm. I this is not a creative endeavor. This mm-hmm. isn't something that I was like. Passionate, (laughs) yes, I want this to be a stupid
1: video. Of course, that goes viral.
3: Stupid video of me (laughs) tapping plates and giggling like an idiot. And uh, and yeah, 250,000 views in the first couple of hours. It had 600,000 views by Monday. Jeez, uh, work was aware of it by Monday without me saying it. Like, apparently, our, our marketing. Uh, one of our marketing people ran into my friend Anthony's office uh, and was like, oh my God, look at this guy on TikTok. Look at this guy on TikTok. <laughs> and Anthony's like, oh, that's just Michael. He works <laughs> in China Inventory. Yeah, he's, he's my friend. Oh, that uh, guy? <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Like just, just craziness. Uh, but people like it. People mm-hmm. enjoy it. And that's all I ever really wanted to do is just try to make stuff for people that they like. Now I would hope that that would be in the form of the theater and the films that I do, but mm-hmm. we're not going to look gift horses in the mouth. <laughs> uh, so, you know, if it if it is is making people happy and if it's making me happy. So yeah, win.
1: it is delightful. I'm going to walk you through my first time, right. As I'm scrolling on TikTok, you know, doing my lately, let's shut my human brain off for a little bit and I'm scrolling and I see first, I see like, obviously you're, Top of your head come up, and then I see what I recognize, like the China pattern. I was like, "What the mm. fuck is this?" I was like, "This guy's gonna start talking shit about this." Like my immediate, like I'm gonna. <laughs> and then I see you, like, and I guess the initial shock I had about how you test shit. So he like holds the bowl over like your his first finger and his thumb holding it right like an ice cream cone, and then takes his pen and taps it, and it's the most delightful ding like that rings out, and then. This is why he laughs all day, because then he's testing for a crack, Right, hits another one and just goes, donk, like no resonation, (laughs) nothing. And I started laughing and then sent it to my friends. And I was like, this filled me with delight. It's so good.
3: I can't explain it. It's so Uh, good. the essence of comedy is the subversion of of expectations. Mm-hmm. When you expect one thing and something ridiculous happens instead, that's where you that comedy comes from. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing that it's something to do with that. That you expect it's, that really pretty sound, but when that pretty sound doesn't come, it's just funny. It's uh, so great. Yeah. I am I it's because it's funny too, because I have coworkers that are you know, can relative, not relative, not not super close proximity, but we're all really spread out.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: But now they've started like watching me more, <laughs> and they and, and one of them in particular, like he he last week I was doing my testing, and I and I had one that dunted, and I and I giggled, and he was like, "You really do laugh every time, <laughs> don't you?" And I was like, "Yes, I can't." Look, I can't it's delightful. It. It's delightful.
1: So let's talk a little bit about your job at Replacements Limited. Yeah. And from what I understand, it has like a rigorous, like interview training process before you're in the testing part uh, of it. We're so, talking about your portion of what Replacements Limited does, right? This yeah, is, uh, yeah.
3: So my my job title, I'm an a inventory specialist for China Crystal. Um, Replacements Limited is a, a retailer that resells used fine tableware, China Crystal and Silver. Uh, company's been around for. We just celebrated our 41st anniversary in March, um, and uh, they did two interviews: so the phone interview and then an in-person interview. And then the training for this job, from this position, is six months. Wow! Which I, I'm coming toward towards the end of it now. Uh, and what our department does, and what my my position specifically is, we receive all of our used. Goods shipment. All of our all of our products, all our used products that we're buying from people, comes through our department. And what the inventory specialists do is they they unbox everything. They look at the paperwork. They come across uh, compare with what's in our system and make sure that everything matches. That that what's on this piece of paper matches what's in the order here hmm. and matches what's in the boxes that we're unboxing. And then we inspect everything for. All of our patterns have grade factors, grade factors going from one to five. And those are a a one is something that's usually still being produced today.
0: Oh, okay.
3: Like like a a Linux pattern that's still being manufactured. Mm -hmm. A one should be like new. Mm -hmm. But a five is something that could have been produced uh, over 100 years ago. I had a set of teacups and saucers on my table last week from 1904. Uh, we had a set of the first ever commemorative plates ever made from 1894. Uh, I believe they were a Spode, uh, Spode manufacturer. Oh, I
1: love Spode. Um,
3: and and so yeah, so so we check, we look at what that grade factor is, and then we make the determination whether or not we can purchase the pieces at the set price that we are offering versus whether or not we need to three quarter them or half price them or reject them because of wear and tear.
1: Interesting. So what's the, what's the check-in process? Like when you're evaluating all the, what is it? Would you say piece type, type piece Mm -hmm. when you're evaluating everything? What are they, what's like the, uh, I guess the levels without revealing too much of like, we'll take it as inventory. Absolutely not.
3: Uh, I mean, it's so subjective and it's so varied because, because, so so typically like look at the I'll look at the, the averages. If we get something that's a grade factor three, it's something that's usually was made uh, in the nineteen sixties to the nineteen eighties, somewhere in there, usually not hundred percent of the time, but mm-hmm. usually. Uh, I'll look at the piece no no chips, no cracks. We can't we don't buy any chipped or cracked pieces. It doesn't matter how old they are. Mm. Uh,
1: Does crazing count as cracked?
3: No crazy, okay. so crazing. Uh, for I, I'm assuming that the people listening to this podcast know a little bit about China, <laughs> but I'll speak about crazing just in case there are any out there who do yeah, not. For the noob. crazing is a term for whenever so you take a, a a piece of China and you have to glaze it when it gets fired. Uh, crazing is when there are cracks in that glaze, and nine times out of ten, the reason it is created, the reason those cracks appear is because the tensile pressure on the st- the glaze has been spread too thin. Either not enough glaze has been applied to the piece or or something else has happened in the firing process to create thin spots in that glaze and then it starts to crack. Mm. Now, praising, you know, to, you know on, a grade, on a grade factor three piece, we're usually going to ignore. But if craving, it's something from
1: like the 1800s, early yeah, 1900s, yeah. it's going to be it, probably,
3: it's going to be there. We it to have mm-hmm. some amount of wear and tear. We expect it now. Crazing that has stains. Mm, you're probably uh. not
0: going to take that.
3: Uh, crazing can lead to cracking. Crazing can lead to chipping. So, you know, obviously we have to just kind of take each piece mm-hmm. into account and just sort of make a distinction. Now, crazing can be repaired. Uh, we also are, we have a restorations department at replacements where we will fix things. Wow. Uh, you know, if, you know, they. Have Like I said, the company's been around for 41 years, so they have a, just a ton of experience, but they they will take test pieces from different patterns and fire them to see if, if they are fireable. Um, and if a piece is fireable and there's an, we're purchasing it for enough money because you have to take that into account, mm-hmm. the cost of, of actually repairing it. Uh, but we will make that distinction, that determination, whether or not we're going to send it to repair. Wow. So we can have a full price piece or discount it.
1: Wow. Yeah. So no, no cracks, cracks, no chips, no cracks, no chips. I'm assuming no dishwasher damage.
3: Uh, that's a big one that we watch for, especially with crystal uh, mm-hmm. dishwasher staining. Um, you know, again, the age of the piece is always going to be a factor. There've been some pieces that have come through there. You know, we're going to 4.5 uh, or a five and, and it's missing all of its gold trim and it's got some crazing here and there, but we'll still buy it because of that, knowing the age of the piece. Mm-hmm. Um, but with crystals in particular, we we watch for a dishwasher staining a lot. Cause that's e- and that's easy to miss, too. Just general rule of thumb for anybody out there who doesn't know. Don't put your crystal in the dishwasher.
1: My grandma will haunt you. She will don't haunt put- you.
3: Don't put your fine china in the dishwasher either, mm-hmm. even if it says dishwasher safe mm-hmm. on the back. Any Cooked really, the-
1: any vintage, any vintage should not any go in vin- the dishwasher. It is not, not made to withstand the high heat.
3: No, not for that uh, long period. Lava yeah.
1: temperature water? No, it is not. My grandma. I remember one day out of the blue, she I got a Waterford crystal vase for my wedding, and I just one day out of the blue, she calls me and she goes, Samantha. Um I just thought of something that I didn't tell you and I was like, "Oh, what's that?" thinking it's like some, you know, family secret. She <laughs> goes, "Don't put your crystal in the dishwasher," okay? But if I mean she's like, "If you absolutely have to just use the drying cycle." Do not and she's like, and I'm like, "Okay, noted." I wasn't <laughs> What part of me goes, "You know what should go in the dishwasher, that crystal?" That I have
3: I We mean, do get it. We I had a whole bunch of of uh Waterford uh uh, I think it was a a, a, Rollin, uh, a Raglan, a Raglan. Uh, I don't remember how to it's pronounce that. Okay. Uh, but it was a, a, a relatively high-end Waterford pattern uh, that was covered in dishwasher stains. Cover just the, all of it. And almost every piece was too stained to purchase.
1: That's unfortunate
3: yeah i mean it had does happen though it does happen yeah and we yeah. get a lot of a yeah. lot of product a lot of inventory that comes through there uh there's probably i think six or 60 or 70 of us in the department doing wow. inspections um we have over 70 million pieces of inventory in stock currently and uh, we we just just unbox just an ungodly amount of product do you
1: have a quota per day that you have to unbox
3: we have a quota per month okay and, and I, right now, uh, all of the trainees, you kind of, were given those, um, those percentages sort of the little slots. It starts out at like 40% and then it moves up to 65% and then it moves up to 75% and then it moves up to 80% and work our way up to a hundred.
1: Um, that's interesting. Cause I was, I guess I didn't, uh, I mean, I know it's replacements limited, but 70 million pieces is banana sandwich. That is yeah. so nice. much in one space.
3: It's a five hundred thousand square foot facility.
1: That's what I'm like. It's in where you put it all. It's in McLeansville, North Carolina. McLeansville, North
3: Carolina, yeah. Uh, so, have you seen uh, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark? Mm-hmm. Yes. You remember the end of the movie with the giant weird warehouse? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like that. Jeez. It's just this huge. I mean, we have several different warehouses all on the, on the campus, all on this, on all on site. Uh, the whole facility is 500,000 square feet. Uh, we have our our the 150 is what we call it. It's our biggest warehouse. It's where our our the bulk of our overstock goes, and it's literally just these massive shelves covered in massive boxes on pallets. Then we have our high efficiency shelves, which are our patterns that we pull from the most most commonly. They're the patterns that we move the most. That that ah. come out uh, quick. That's uh, where a lot of our like Fiesta wear. Our okay. Uh, that stuff lives there. And those again, 45 foot tall, see, uh, uh, shelves. Uh, it's just, it's, it's huge. And then we have the stacks, which are the oldest shelves in the, in the building, Wow. Um, where, where some more of our more commonly pulled, uh, product lives. It's just, it's just, the place is just crazy big, It's crazy big.
1: I guess I, obviously it has to be large because yeah. of the amount of inventory that's moving through and now it makes sense why they are particular about what they're going to maybe take a chance on running through their system because it's not like they I mean, they need it, but they don't really need it. And I imagine there's a scale of like, okay, we can accept every order from this level of China or crystal versus, you know, we can pump the brakes on Corel for like a half a day.
3: We, we have, I mean, we have patterns, or we have piece types within patterns that we just don't purchase. Like people, when people, if they, if you take the steps to sell to us, uh, you can look at the, the you, you you will get the information on the pattern you're trying to sell. And you can look through the list and be like, okay, they're buying the, the, the teacups and saucers. They're buying the dinner plates. They're not buying the salad plates. They're not buying the luncheon plates. They're buying the 12-inch platters. They're not buying the 13-inch platters and its product that again we take into account customer count you know mm-hmm. and we have a catalog of the customers that we know or purchase that stuff wow. we have a whole system a whole database of information looking at like how many of those particular pieces we've sold in the last 12 months uh when we have we keep a record of when those pieces come in you know there's like a trail of, uh, and again this is all part of the, the their business model one of the big things they talk about is accountability Is they mm. want you know, everybody's name everybody's initials go onto these various steps in the process from wow. it coming in the door to it leaving again. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just a, a ton of information, a ton of, that's why the training takes a friggin' long. Yeah. It's
1: well then they kind of leave mean, the discernment up to the, your team, right. To essentially yeah. decide what comes in, what goes out.
3: Yeah. I mean, and the subjectivity is a big part of it. You know, everybody, they, they they try to try to instill in us that, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot of discrepancy in how the inspectors are going to grade.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Most inspectors will look at a piece and most everybody should be able to agree. Oh, yeah, this is a full price piece mm-hmm. or this is a three quarter price piece or this is a half price piece. Mm-hmm. And we might could make some a little bit of like wiggle in between. But it shouldn't be that one one inspector is like, oh, yeah, this is a full price piece. And the other person is like, no, re- reject it. We're not yeah. buying it. Yeah. So they do, you know, we try to try to, you know, kind of find some harmony in the way that we are all looking at these things uh and on top of of the processes for order entry and making sure that the the pieces are being sent to the proper places.
1: Which yeah, that's how they've built the reputation they have as like if you're missing something from a set you have,
3: but you can do. find
1: something of the same quality. Right. From- and even
3: if, if we don't already have it, you can we can let you know when we find it. That's fantastic. Yeah, pretty cool.
1: Do you have any tips for people when they're identifying a piece? Like what are some of the ways like if there's a like a hard mark to identify or it's not stamped or like characteristics of certain types that you've found to uh, be helpful?
3: Uh, I I kind of cheat uh cuz you know technology is mm-hmm. a cool thing. We have a our website has a photo tool. I just where, learned about
1: that today and I can't yeah. believe I didn't know about that.
3: Can take so you can take a picture of your your china your crystal your silver and it the system will cross-reference with any possible thing it could be uh and you can even go in and like if you if you know the manufacturer you can enter the manufacturer wow. information to narrow that search down uh so we use that our the guy who's, who started the company bob page he's still he's still there he comes through every now and again He's very proud of that photo tool, and that's one of the things that if we're struggling to ID something, uh, that we we will we will wow. use. I also use Google Glass. Google Glass has actually helped me, especially with Crystal. Uh, has helped me in a, a number of times um, for IDing something. Uh, as far as like 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 looking at back stamps and this, I mean, obviously you you ideally you want a backstamp. You want to know at least who made it.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm.
3: not everything has one. And if you don't, if you have a piece that you are trying to ID the pattern and you don't have a back stamp, you know, using that photo, so using using Google Glass is probably your best bet just because that's what, that's what the internet is for. Mm-hmm. Or, or at least one of the many uses that the internet has, you know, to, to take all of these other resources and put them in a place to make them accessible for you to problem solve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they do teach us about attributing. You know, we have a our inventory system that was that they developed in house uh, for uh, that we do our data entry on. There's a whole attributing part of it. So if I get a, a a piece that comes across my table, you know, I can look and you know, is this a are the edges of this plate smooth? Is it scalloped? Is it cooped? Is it rimmed? Uh, what's the trim color? What's the predominant color? What kind of design is in the middle? And there are all these criteria that I can drop down menus. To, to narrow my wow. search. I'm struggling to idea pattern. Uh, piece types, I don't struggle as much with piece types anymore because, again, once you see enough of them, you tend to, oh, yeah, that's a sugar bowl, or, yeah, that's a mini creamer, or that's a, Now that's not always the case because some manufacturers have just an ungodly amount of piece types. Mm-hmm. You know, Falsecraft is a big one there, like Falsecraft and Port Merriam is another one. Uh, they they just made so many weird things. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a toast holder, not yes. a bread holder. Literally, toast. it's called a toast holder. Toast it is over. just for whole. Well, it's hold. It's for holding five pieces of toast. Who the hell? <laughs> who the hell cooks five <laughs> pieces of toast at a time? I mean, also I, they didn't I, have fucking. Why is it not an even number? Yeah, because toasters are. That's what. Maybe they were just assuming
1: that if you own this, you also owned a toaster oven because maybe toasters were just for poor people. And so they're like, maybe, maybe. You know how we make people feel more poor? Give the rich people a toast holder. Those Uh, are my hands uh, or a paper towel.
3: One of my favorite piece types that came across my table on Friday was a sweet meat dish. Oh, you just hit it. A what?
1: Sweet Sweet meat
3: meat dish. It's for sweet meats.
1: Uh huh. Which was an uh, an early glass manufacturing. The fuck is a sweet meat? It's a lie because it's actually just like organ dish
3: served in a cup, like a blood sausage or Mm -hmm. kitty. Yeah. uh,
1: Mm -hmm. Sweet meat was kind of like fun, tongue-in-cheek. Gross. Yeah.
3: Yeah. mm Hmm.
1: <laughs> and they look kind of like a like a not a milkshake glass, but like something you would serve ice cream out of.
3: We, this pattern, it was a Royal Dalton pattern, uh, and it had uh, there were two different shaped dishes. One of them was a square one, and one of them was a rectangular one, and they just kind of look like weird little fancy relish mm-hmm. dishes. relish dish. That's a that's a piece a piece yep, of relish because you know mm-hmm. I have relish with every meal um, always. Just a oh, spoonful man. of relish before
1: that.
3: bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That that part is 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 the iding the piece types. You know, again, once you once you you know what to look for when you're looking for a bread and butter plate, or a mm-hmm. salad plate, or a soup bowl, or an individual pasta bowl. There are, but there are exceptions to every rule. Um, but the iding the patterns that's that's the that's really the. Once we do that, then we're good. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, though, we'll get a piece that we've never gotten before. That's um, one of the things that also just never ceases to amaze me is that, you know, this company has been around for as long as they have, and there's over 70 million pieces of of inventory in stock. You'd think we'd seen everything, yeah? right? No, no. Like, we are constantly getting pieces that have no ID, that we can't figure out where they came from, who made them or what they are or what they are intended for. We have curators on staff that we that we use. We have a curator on the floor in our department that if we get something that we just can't figure out, we send it to them. We fill out wow. a piece of paper and send it to them. And then they use their reference materials and, and, and their computer and they try to figure out what it is. And if they can, then they will add it into the system under whatever the pattern is. But if they can't, then there's no ID on it. We do we do have a process in place that if we have somebody on staff that can make a determination whether we want to buy an, a, a no ID piece. If it's some like, you know, weird mm-hmm. piece of obscure crystal that, 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 we, that we've never seen before. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's in good shape. We'll, we'll purchase that. And we'll in the showroom,
0: mm-hmm. we'll add
3: it to one of the, one of the display cases, something like that. Um, but yeah, it's crazy to me that we continuously get stuff in that we're adding to our to our system yeah. yeah you'd think we'd have seen it
1: all well because the capacity of i mean what they have you would think right for certain that it would be right? hmm, that's so interesting i can't get over the sweet
2: meat so well we uh-huh. so i just here so we
1: did a we've added like a new series <laughs> to the show over the last several months where we do a deep dive into like american manufacturing of items and the last set of episodes we did was on american glass making and mm. that was where it kind of got into. We were speaking of sweetmeat dishes in the instance of being listed in somebody's estate, because at that point in time, glass was an asset and not a thing oh, yeah. that everybody had. And so yeah, this yeah. gentleman, I cannot remember his name, had like six um, towers of like champagne glasses and sweetmeat glasses, like a pornographic amount of glassware for one person at this time. And it was listed in his estate as like 20,000 pounds or something. Like, it was an insane amount of glass. And he had an overstock of sweetmeat dishes. Like, I can imagine there was a party he was having that was like, Reginald, is there more sweetmeat in the back? Or, yeah. Wow. And early American glass is very interesting because there was... That's um, and I'm sure you learned that because of work. Like crystal identification from that time period is not American made; it's coming from overseas. And if it is American made, it's way past the time that makes crystal like super rare for European Czech, yeah, and all that. Yeah, it's very interesting and things my brain loves. Um, sure. Which I wish we could have you for a hundred more hours to ask you more questions about <laughs> your job, because it's just. I think I think the reason like I would like that job is for that reason of it changes every day. Like you're getting something yeah. different. You're looking something up. Yeah. You're solving that puzzle. Yeah.
3: It I mean, it really is. You never know what you're gonna pull out of a box. Yeah. Um and and it's cool. And we'll get, you know, we'll get we'll get like I had a, a whole shipment of uranium glass come come across my table uh last month, seventy-five pieces. Wow. Uh uh, uh Jug, sixty ounce jug. I got, I got three thousand dollar jug. What was jug. the pattern? What was the? Uh, green, parrot green. Oh, it's like. Do I have any of that? You, got, <laughs> I was gonna say. I, I think you have some of that back there. Right?
1: I do. The light, for some reason, on camera shows up terribly, but this, all of this, is uranium <laughs> yeah. glass.
3: Yeah, and next that I and found, and found it in the last like year. Looks like parrot green. It looks like oh, shit. Does yeah, it have parrots on it. Um, I think right I
1: have one that yeah. does somewhere. Yeah.
3: Yeah. That pattern in particular was only made from nineteen thirty one to nineteen thirty two. So it's a pretty it's a pretty pretty sought after. Wow. And there are some some pieces in that pattern that are just they're very, very rare apparently. So if you if you come across a jug, match it up. I should
1: look up I found these Libby glasses at the uh thrift store and mm-hmm. they are the Libby Marine Life glasses. Oh yeah. And they only made them for one year. And they're like sixty dollars a piece and they have a 14 karat gold rim yeah. the hand detailed
2: i know and we used them and i was scared to drink I out of it i've only ever used them once they scared the shit out of me they'd scare me like i was like two hand in mm-hmm. it cuz i didn't want to be that person
1: yeah, yeah. and everybody hated me for making the music yeah like, please actually don't actually I, I i
3: early on when i went when i started doing inspecting inspections i was i had a lot of uh, apprehension with him handling certain things mm-hmm. that's kind of that's kind of melted away a little bit not entirely you know mm-hmm. we still get we get a high dollar a high dollar piece you know well we had i had a, a couple of uh I want to say that I don't think they were Royal Doll, maybe Royal Albert Mm. Uh, teapots, old teapots. they were like eight hundred dollars a piece that I was a little anxious handling because they were they were just they were they were were, um, the kind that you could have the teapot. But then there's also the steeping. Steeping oh, yeah, in the lid and you can interact. And they're tall, it's like it's they're 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 cumbersome,
0: mm-hmm.
3: uh, so like moving them around and shuffling them around, or like we get a lot of Waterford, Waterford crystal, and uh, Baccarat that come through. And that stuff's very expensive, very top shelf, $150 shot glasses. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. I uh, think I
1: have some in on my inventory shelf that I'm selling for a family, no, yeah. that I have to, uh, I think more. it's an, a, a Baccarat ashtray,
3: I think, yeah, yeah. um. The the, the $3,000 piece of uranium glass is probably one of the more expensive things that I, ha- I had come across my table. Um, and there have been a handful of others. Uh, and it does make me a little apprehensive sometimes. Um, I used to be a chef, though. I used to work in kitchens. And so like I'm used to
1: mm-hmm.
3: handling f- hot things and sharp things and right. trying to be careful. I feel like my, my dexterity skill is pretty is pretty high. I could never Uh-oh. fucking with
1: there. I'm so clumsy. I'm so clumsy. I mean...
3: Stuff breaks. It does Mm -hmm. happen. It's inevitable. We, you know, with the amount of material we're handling and the number of people around, it's actually really impressive to me. You can tell the people who've been there the longest. Average length of employment, by the way, 22 years. Wow. Whoa. Uh, Yeah, crazy. Uh, You can tell the people who have been there the longest because they they are no longer phased when something breaks. (laughs) You know, you'll be working, doing your thing, and something will break off in the distance, and all the relatively new people are like, you're catting it over there. <laughs> no, no, this, the other people. Oh, we're just gonna keep on. Yeah, nope. not even, not even. It happens, happens. Oh, no, it does. It happens every day.
1: Did every you bring day. a dish to ding? Do you have a dish? Uh, to ding?
3: I, I have. I mean, we don't really. I don't really ding crystal at work or charred glass. We don't ding, first. That's not how we. You can you can see a crack in crystal.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You don't need to do the ding test. Because the, the prism, right? Because it prisms. Yeah, mm-hmm. the crack. Crack, you can see a crack in crystal pretty, pretty easily. Um, I don't, I don't have any. That's fine. Cause no. it's
1: delightful. It um, is, and yeah. since we've built such a wonderful friendship, before we get into the part that will ruin it, where can our listeners find you either on your Twitch stream? Cause we didn't get into that. And I think it's fantastic or on TikTok?
3: Oh, well, yeah. Like I said, I'm on TikTok. Uh, TOK. The, the Michael Ray Williams. Uh, come give me a follow. Give me a comment. I try my best to respond to as much as I can. Cause I, I do enjoy the interaction. Um, so, come say hi. Uh, I do, I play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. I'm a big nerd. I and I am fortunate enough, um, I was in, involved in a 14 month long streamed game uh, that ended back in February. And the creator of that channel, uh, a really good friend of mine, has seen fit to let me DM a game on his channel. So we're going to be starting up a new stream in July. Uh, the that Twitch channel is called The Adventures in Silvernell. Oh, um, I can I can type that out and send it to you. That'd be great. Um, but it's fun. We have a good time. It's a bunch of they're all we're all theater people who who play. So it's it's it tends to be pretty uh, role play heavy and silly voices and it's <laughs> it's visceral and it's fun and I love I absolutely love it. It's been like my my biggest creative outlet over the last couple of years, really. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, we're going to be starting that that stream up in July. Uh, they have one game that they're currently weren't running right now. And his goal, the goal of the, of the channel is to we're just going to try to have as much content on there as we can. So I we've currently that. got two games running on there that we're going to be starting this new one. And then we're going to be starting a series of one shots that we do every month, um, not before too much longer um yeah but i'm also i'm on the other socials instagram and so uh facebook and all that i have a i actually have a, a instagram for i paint minifigs and mm. i do lapidary work like i said earlier it was my hobby and i got some of that stuff on instagram uh under grimstone goods oh nice um, name thank you so
1: yeah i'm honestly surprised i never got into dungeons and dragons like is this my year? i honestly is this my thing? am
2: surprised as well it's super
3: fun i i encourage everybody to try it at least once because it's 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 weird it's weird and it's fun and it's engaging and I think one of the big things that that kind of ruins people (laughs) (laughs) is when we stop like playing Mm. like we as we get older we get we get to grain in our heads that that you got to grow up and you got to stop playing Mm. and like man, that's that it kills you man it kills you yeah so so Dungeons and dragons is a cool way to engage in the, a similar spirit of play because it's all theater of the mind it's all imagine mm-hmm. imagination based stuff and doing it with a group of people who are just as into it as you is just it's just the best it's the best
1: i love it and of course we'll have all of those listed on the com as well as our instagram and maybe a tiktok we'll see if i can get something together um and now it's time for my absolute favorite part of the show i'm embracing it at this (sighs) point i know it's been a while for me so i don't know we're 90 some odd episodes in okay yeah you've been out of the game for i have and uh so the estate sale walkthrough is a made-up manufactured estate sale based on our guests interests and I tend to take a deep dive through social medias, different places like that, to kind of gather some intel into what they may be into. I'm really going to enjoy it now. I'm embracing okay. it. I'm embracing and it. Um, every item in the estate sale exists somewhere in the world. And it's real. But it's like who's line. Prices are made up. Nothing matters. It'll fit in your house. You have the money for it. It's exactly what you wanted. The condition is perfect. All the things apply. If you go, is it this color? Automatically, yes, it's that color. It's this. It's that. It's like choose your own adventure, but send hate mail to Sam after. So today we are wandering through, and the options are each one you can pick one or the other. All right, Michael? Okay. All right. So we're wandering through an antique junk mall, right? Think like your grandparents' old business that they just kept all their shit in. It's unorganized. There's stuff everywhere. And they're just like, meet you at the front. And they're like, go ahead and dig, honey. Find what you like. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's where we're at. Okay. We're topped up on all of our recent vaccines that we need. Tetanus Perfect. is oh, not God. something we're worried about. Okay. Great. We are, we're ready to go. So we start okay. off in a booth filled with boxes, crudely labeled on the side. And we start to pilfer through one, and we see some fabric peek out. And we pull out two button-up shirts. Do you pick the Atomic Cat Print or the very late 80s early 90s primary colored checker
3: with the bold strassic.
1: Michael, we'll start with you.
3: Uh I think I got to go with the atomic cat. Good choice. Yeah. I like I like the atom cat. Mm-hmm, <laughs> the mm-hmm. a
2: lot. Jill, the primary colored checkers. Mhm. Yeah, classic. Yeah.
1: I think that's uh that's a good choice for you.
3: There's not a lose. There's, just, there's no losing. There's not, not <laughs> that. You know. First
1: questions mostly get you a little comfortable. Yeah. Make you feel yeah. like, oh, yeah. I am also going to go with the atomic cat because I yeah, just think I it'd see be that. Yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Um, which is generally how I like to dress. So next question. This is, these two questions are thanks to Gray, our editor, for being very excited to help with these two particular <laughs> questions. So thank you, Gray. This next one, we're in uh, back at the barn, digging through some stuff, and we notice some very interesting things. Michael specifically notices them. We pull these two boxes out. They're labeled D&D on the side. Of course. Do you choose, Michael, the complete run of Dragon Magazine, all 300 and some odd issues, or the original three-volume set of Dungeons & Dragons from 1974?
3: Well... I'm gonna have to go with the 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 Dragon Magazine because I already have the original set of Shut. The first the first edition. Dungeons Shut. And
1: this is a mothball prophecies first. I'm leaning into my camera. <laughs> Never on this fucking show have we put in something. Okay, for those of you listening, this is one of the rarest pieces of memorabilia, ephemera, for Dungeons and Dragons so rare that only a thousand boxes were made and hand packaged by the originators of Dungeons and Fucking Dragons. And this <laughs> asshat owns one?
3: Yeah, my, my father-in-law gave it to me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Shit. Wow. If
2: you guys could see Sam's face, she is appalled. My mouth actually. is dry. She's this just never,
1: like... <laughs> never is it like literal this like alley-oop slam dunk <laughs> Uh, well, actually, I'll take the magazines, because I already own the super fucking rare nobody has it thing. Huh. Chill. Well, I'm going to go for the Any volume surprises? set now. <laughs> now that you know. Now that I, you know, I am aware yeah. of what that is. Yeah. I'm also going to take that. <laughs> so there's three less copies of the world. All right. <laughs> Never. <laughs>
3: I'm glad to I'm glad that I could I could do that for the for the podcast.
1: Yes, thank you for that. Now I don't
3: I enjoy
2: that so much.
1: If you say parable. yes to the other one, I'm just shutting the Zoom call down. Never out okay. right. again. Okay. All right. This last one. If you could choose one of these props, would you choose the flip-lock pistol from Predator 2 or the minigun from the original Predator?
3: That is tricky. That's tough because the the canon story for the pistol is one of my favorite Predator comics. Mm. Uh, I, I can't remember exactly when it was published, but there's this is really cool short story that that sort of like short comic that these these pirates <laughs> were mutinying their captain as you do, and they, they chase they, they basically he flees the ship and takes uh one of the the. The rowboats and goes to this island where where uh, presumably his like treasure is buried or whatever. And the his crew is after him to try to kill him, and and on this like small deserted island, he he bests his crew with the sword. But there happens to be like a predator that was also <laughs> stalking the same <laughs> captain. Of course. And and anyway, he the pirate captain gives the predator the gun before the captain dies. Uh, and that's like the story of where the pirate gun came from. Wow! So I probably, I probably would go. I also like just like pirates. Pirates are just a fun, yeah, a yeah, fun thing. Gotta, I'm not really, a, I'm not really like a gun, gun kind of person. So the, uh, uh, uh the, the mini gun just doesn't appeal doesn't to do me it for you. <laughs> to, as, as as much.
1: I had no idea that there was a pirate fan fiction Predator stuff
3: pretty much. So I'd go so with the Pyro pistol cuz just I like I like that story a lot, I like that comic a lot. And Predator 2 I think is severely underappreciated. Yeah. Uh, as far as sequels go. Mhm. What about you, Joe?
1: Oh, the minigun for sure. The minigun? Mm-hmm. Mm. It's tough cuz Predator 2 is my favorite Predator. It's nice. one my dad watched all the time. I'm the only girl so it was kind of like I grew up on 80s, 90s, Arnold Schwarzenegger, all that stuff, right? Action yeah. movies, and like my favorite movie is The Fifth Element. It's one of my favorite ones to watch and see all the time. So I would pick probably that also, the Flintlock Pistol, because it looks cool and yeah, yeah, the minigun's also pretty dope. Nah, my
2: yeah, because that's what you're after. Yeah, that's my, that's the movie my dad and I watched. Oh, yeah, We well, me do
3: It was my dad, one of my dad's favorite movies. We yeah, we watched it all, watched all the time. He, Showed it to me. Way too young. Way too young. Same. I was
2: probably my mom. I now understand why my mom was a little upset that I was watching it. Mm -hmm. No, no big
3: deal. Just people, you know, getting scammed.
2: It's fine. I
1: know it's fake.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Ish. Yeah.
1: I want to say like all of those movies. It was like six, seven, eight. Like all. Yeah. Yeah.
3: That that well, Alien and Predator kind of reinforced it, but. That was what the movie that like made me like really like want to get into acting and getting into performing because I learned that it was a person in a suit. Yeah, right. Paid to do that, like yeah. the guy. You get that's their job is mm-hmm. to run around in a monster costume and and what? Yeah, like, not have to, cool yeah. Cool have to talk. Yeah, just have to gesture. That's actually, what I yeah. would really do, and then you and sweat. I love to that death, kind of like so. physical. Character creature acting mm-hmm. kind of costume performers. Like I love that stuff. Yeah. Same. Uh, and those those movies are two of the best movies for it, best examples of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. For sure. I, yeah. For sure. hmm It was like what I my favorite movie of all time is The Labyrinth my favorite oh, movie it's and it's I used my, my,
3: top, my top five. For yep. sure.
1: And when I would watch the uh, special features, like I got a DVD for a birthday with all the special mm-hmm. features, it was like just as important as the movie was to me. Yeah. Like seeing like the armature and structure of mm-hmm. Ludo's costume. And mm-hmm. then as well as like the person that played Hoggle and the guy behind Jareth with the crystal balls, like that poor yeah. step man that was probably just so hot and sweaty and yeah. <laughs> close to David Bowie.
3: Anytime we watch that movie, we have to watch all the special features, too. That's like a a rule. Mm -hmm. It's a way to do it. A little making of thing is great. Yeah. Uh,
1: Michael, this was delightful. This was fun. This was nice. I really appreciate it and I cannot wait to uh, introduce this to all of our listeners and have them also go laugh at the dings and donks of (laughs) Replacements Limited. (laughs)
3: It was great. I got, I got plenty more dings and dogs coming.
1: Good, good. <laughs> um, stick around for this week's Curio Corner as we dive deeper into all of the things we talked about today with Michael. Um, this episode, and during the Curio Corner, I am joined by Melissa. Hello, everybody. Hello. And you are joining me for tomorrow's interview that
4: comes out next week. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I you think did. I forgot. Yeah, we've t- we've talked about it. Okay, sorry. Times. It's okay. Okay, we've had a very busy weekend. It's been insane.
1: We had our garage sale
4: that we did not prepare for. It was like we had talked about it, talked about it for months, and then I needed to get my stuff out. Uh huh. It like and it was like okay, we're doing it this weekend. Let's go. Yeah, because there was like there was some weather
1: problems. Yes, we had some issues with uh yeah just shit going on.
4: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally
1: nothing, nothing going on in our life. Nothing, nothing. It's, it's been... So yeah, it was like, um, like uh, how I do all of my important work mm-hmm. the n- night before. Mm-hmm. And we did. I had a garage full of stuff from my house and we set it up. And the first day was great for a Friday. Yeah. And today was great. And there was about four or five boxes that left the house. Yep. And to the goodwill. And then we made a free pile, which whoever got that free shit.
4: Oh my God. So I had this unbelievable mid century bar, like a, you know, just like a dry bar, Um, standalone, curved, and it was gorgeous. And when I got it, I was obsessed with it. I would have paid $500 for this thing. Oh, for sure. It was so fabulous. I can't fit it in my new house, unfortunately. I tried, couldn't find a spot for it. Um, And so I listed it on Facebook Marketplace. And nothing. I didn't hear anything. And I thought I had it listed for a totally reasonable price. Uh, you did. And so I was like, okay, well, I, it's big. I get it. Like, mm-hmm. And so I thought, we'll put it in the, the garage sale. It'll be gone within the first, first hour. First morning. Yeah. Yeah. And it sat there for two days. Yep. And finally, I was like, well, I'm either going to take this to Goodwill uh-huh. or someone is going to come pick it up because I don't want to take it. Yeah. And I gave it away for free. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I'm i upset about it. But on the other hand, it's out of my hands. Whoever picked it up, she seemed very nice. Yes. And she seemed like she was going to love it. And I'm okay with that. And she got the deal of a lifetime. For real. But I'm still, I just am so shocked. And people him and hot about it oh yeah both days everybody loved it and everybody could not find a place in their house for it I just don't i just
1: and then the creeping up to the last hour or so of the sale melissa is basically putting it into people's cars for them. she's (laughs) like hey you want to take that bar i'll make a screaming deal make you a screaming deal no really it was adorable because people were just like
4: i really love it but i i don't have yeah Maybe in my next house. I'm like, it'll be gone by then. Take it right now.
1: Yeah. When we had, of course, the interesting characters that wander through a yard sale. Yep. um, There were lots of times I really had to put on my, are you so dumb face? And I had to put it away (laughs) immediately. But there were some really great interactions that happened. There were some mothballers that came. Yes. To the yard sale.
4: Sam got recognized (laughs) by a person off the street. She was like, you're mothball Sam. And Sam was like, what? I just like I literally cycle through
1: like how are you supposed to respond in this moment right because she's walking up the driveway and I say good morning to everybody like a greeter and I'm like good morning how are you and she's like good and she does this like slow scan to the left looks at me and then scans back and then double take back to my face. and she's just like wah wah and then her eyes get big and she goes oh my god oh my god you just interviewed my favorite youtube channel shiny bright doggo or she started with she goes i know your face like immediately and i was like uh yeah she goes you interviewed my favorite youtube channel shiny bright doggo and then i was tickled and i said oh my god yeah we did and that's when she goes you're mothball sam (laughs) and i was like yeah that's me i was like this is all this shit that was in my house yeah please buy it she was so nice and she was super nice she had the nicest things to say about laura and janine mm-hmm. and shiny bright doggo and it was just awesome and i got to do what i love to do like yeah. both days i want to say all weekend because it felt like all weekend. i know
4: it was 8 to 11 friday and saturday yes
1: but i was up five forty five both both oh yeah
4: it's it's been it's been a weekend
1: and kids Oh, yeah. Our armfuls of kids.
4: Yeah. And um,
1: I had lovely conversations with people. We had another mothballer that came today, Patrick. Was wonderful. Sat and talked to us. We got to talk about collections. I got to talk about collections with so many people.
4: It was super fun.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And,
4: you know, we made a little bit of money while getting rid of our extraneous, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say garbage, because it was all beautiful stuff. We had awesome stuff. Oh, yeah. And we kept talking like, "Oh, I wish I could chop this yard sale. I, this is my perfect yard sale. I yeah. would buy all this stuff." Yeah. Oh wait, I did. I did.
1: <laughs> we were both. I was like, literally, like I'd roll up in a cart, me and you. Yeah. Be like, oh shit, we'd load everything. We would have figured out how to fit that bar <laughs> on the uh, to our
4: house again. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And Meredith had a great weekend. Also. Oh yeah. Everybody loved Meredith. Mm-hmm. We had one guy try and buy her. <laughs> she is not for sale. And he he came up in a wife beater style like tank top Mm -hmm. but covered in skulls and birds of paradise flowers and i was like you're my kind of man but you cannot buy meredith yeah i
1: heard the exchange from across and i was like that's right she's not for sale (laughs) (laughs) yeah and everybody was like i love your skeleton and me and melissa be like her name's meredith (laughs) (laughs) excuse me excuse me she has a name (sighs) she has a she her pronouns okay (laughs) she's living her best life so it was great it was a really wonderful weekend we were surrounded by great friends my house was full of kids yeah
4: friends came over we had a bunch of people come visit a bunch of mothballers came about yeah it It was was great
1: beautiful sam's over
4: there networking while i'm zoning out and trying not to get overstimulated
1: we wrote yeah it was it was great (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and it was so if you came and Either I didn't recognize you or whatever. Thank you so much. The ones that I recognized and chatted with, there was this woman I sat down and had a full 15 minute conversation with about antiques and it was delightful. <laughs> and then she was like, Call me when you don't, when Melissa can't go yard selling with you and I'll go with you.
4: And you're and like, I was like, Oh hell yeah.
1: Love you, Patty. We're gonna we're gonna do it. That's awesome. Making new friends. Yes. And the my most favorite thing that I tried mm-hmm. was when I was setting stuff up and pricing things. I did Michael's trick for testing if stuff has a crack, which is how he came up on TikTok for me, right? Uh-huh. And I was giggling in my garage. I put this teacup on top of my, soul circle on top of my hand, and I hit it with the Sharpie. And the first one did the donk noise oh, instead of the no. ding. Oh, no. And I went, oh, where's your crack, babe? And I'm flipping it all over the place. Found the crack and then picked up another one. And then there was another donk. And I was like, oh, shit. Am I doing this wrong? And I'm going through and then the third one dinged and I laughed. I did. It was delightful. (laughs) So I got to pull out all my stops this weekend.
4: That's awesome.
1: And when we were speaking with Michael, we talked about a couple of different things. And specifically, we're going to kind of cover gems and piece type for uh, dishware. Oh, okay. Because I always feel like when I find something in the wild, I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck this plate is called. Like, I know it's a smaller than a dinner plate plate, but like, is this for cream cheese or butter? So, I found on replacements.com.
4: Oh, okay.
1: Their chart for China pattern piece types.
4: Okay. I'm excited about this, actually. This is interesting to me.
1: And I'll have this linked. This will be linked on Michael's episode page, so everybody can reference it, and I'll share it in the stories this week. Cool. So, we're starting off at the top with a dinner plate. All right. Okay. Their piece code, DP.
4: DP. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: Dinner plates, so they are typically in a five-piece place setting, used for serving. Entrees, dinner plates are generally 9 to 11 inches in diameter. Mm -hmm. They can either feed a rim or a coupe, which is no rim.
4: Oh. Yeah. I've never heard of that. Me
1: neither. Interesting. Not in that tax bracket, apparently. (laughs) Square dinner plate. Piece code. DPS. You'd think it'd be SDP. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Dinner plate square. <laughs> All right, they are. It's a component of the five piece place setting. So I'm assuming this goes under the round plate. If you're an etiquette coach, don't come for me. Okay.
4: Oh, it's it's not just like a, a dinner plate that's square.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a square. Di-
4: yeah, it goes under the dinner plate. I
1: was guessing, but I'm wrong. I'm oh, wrong. Okay, so right. it is a traditional dinner plate. Okay, okay, but like, square. I'm hell? just assuming shit. Like All I right. do. Okay. Next one is salad plate. Any guess on the piece oh, code?
4: Oh, sp. Here you go. Hell yeah.
1: Um, it is. The a component of the five-piece setting. They resemble dinner plates, but they are six to eight inches, and they can be used for salads or desserts.
4: Oh, that's not
1: enough dessert or salad.
4: And they can't be used for anything else. Nope, <laughs> that's not a goddamn sandwich
1: plate. Put it back.
4: Are you, they're my toast plates. Yeah, those are my toast plates. No, well, wrong.
1: Next one is the square salad plate. Oh, what, what do you think the piece code is? SPS SSP.
4: Oh, almost. They are so inconsistent. <laughs>
1: They resemble dinner plates and can be used for salads and desserts uh, also, right? But these are... They have an added bonus of being easy to hold during parties, backyard barbecues, (laughs) or any other non-table gathering. I'm going to call barbecues (laughs) non-table gatherings for the rest of time.
4: I love that. Like, it has corners much easier to hold. I know. (laughs) Much easier. The round is... Are
1: you guys going to the Mashburn non-table gathering this weekend? (laughs) Absolutely. They'll have square salt <laughs> s- salad plates. They also have square dinner plates. Not to be confused with the plate you put under a dinner plate. <laughs>
4: but I don't think that, I don't know what that's called.
1: How embarrassing. I don't know. Somebody will tell us. Next one is, I knew it, a bread and butter plate. <gasps> What's the piece code, Melissa?
4: B, B-B. B, P? B, B. B, B.
1: Uh, it's the final component of the five piece place setting. Oh. Okay. They resemble salad plates but are used for serving bread and butter pats or whipped butter.
4: So I think, are they smaller with like an indentation in the center? Like a saucer? Um, Because there
1: is, there's no top shot. Okay. They're five to seven inches in diameter. Okay. So I don't think they have the saucer
4: hole. Oh, that okay. is what
1: my family has always used as like pie plates.
4: Yeah. Same. Yeah. Um, I th- just today I happen to have a, A place setting of these really cool 60s Japanese. Oh, yeah, yeah. They were in the yard sale. Um, And there was dinner plates, salad plates, bowls, and then what I assumed was saucers. And so I thought, oh, there must be teacups with this. But I wonder if they were bread and butter plates. Oh, were they five to seven or six to eight? They were five to seven. Oh, yeah. They were teeny. Yeah, not a salad plate. Yeah.
1: Or a non-table gathering plate. (laughs) Next one is a fruit or dessert bowl. What is the piece code? This one is going to make you mad. Uh, just tell me. FR. What For the fuck? Yeah. Fruit and dessert bowls are generally four to six inches in diameter. Can be used to serve individual portions of fruits, nuts, and ice cream. Wait, how, how big are they? Four to six inches.
4: Four to six. Oh, they're tiny. You know those little
1: Melmac bowls I got? Yeah. The, Mel- the teeny yeah, ones. Yeah. Those apparently are fruit and dessert bowls. Huh. FR. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Koo cereal bowl,
4: and that must that must be the big bowl.
1: Yeah, but I want you to try and guess the piece code C B C E R C cereal. Uh-huh. Oh, those
4: bastards! Mm-hmm.
1: These are great for everyday use. They can be used to serve a variety of cereals, soups, salads, and desserts.
4: And nothing else. They
1: do not feature a pronounced rim.
4: Oh, okay, all right.
1: Rimmed cereal bowl. Please <laughs> guess this one. <laughs> These codes are chaos.
4: R S. I don't know. C
1: E R. All our love to replacements. dot com. All of our love. Yeah. But this is wild. Rimmed cereal bowls come in a variety of sizes and are great for serving cereals, soups, and dishes of ice creams. I bet they're also great at non-table parties.
4: I think so. Yeah, you need a rim. You gotta that's have a, a rim. A really good. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the rim is perfect for when you're mi- microwaving a food,
1: and the bowl gets hot. The bowl than gets the too hot. <laughs> Yeah. Uh huh.
4: You need that that little extra Mm handhold.
1: Yeah. I usually just turn around really quick in my kitchen and put it on the counter. Yeah. My husband, on the other hand, acts like he's being burned alive. (laughs) It's a a, a whole thing.
4: And you just hold it with four fingers just as gently as you can and get it out of the microwave Mm -hmm. onto some sort of. Yeah. When I used to have
1: artificial nails, I would pick stuff up with them because they don't transfer temperature. So they were like little, just like. That disturbs me. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. The next one is the coup salad bowl or soup bowl. Pardon me. Oh, the coup God. soup bowl. Coup?
4: Mm-hmm. How do you spell that?
1: C-O-U-P-E. Okay. Coup. 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 But it's French. So <laughs> I don't fucking know. I got corrected on TikTok today for saying burger instead of burger. Because it's French. I so whatever. Like a hamburger? Yeah. It made me think of the Pink Panther. <laughs> no, that lamp that I found. The perfume lamp. Oh, okay. Somebody... Just posted the comment that said it's it's a <laughs> berger is French, but it's spelled burger b r g e r, right? Uh-huh. It's pronounced and then spelled it out, which I appreciate. I'm always yeah. learning, you Thanks. know?
4: Thanks, but also, <laughs> no,
1: yep. And the only time I say berger in the video is when I'm referring to the gentleman's last name, and I don't know if he was french or german and it's the german pronunciation the the english pronunciation is burger so yeah me
4: how in
1: english (laughs) next is a rimmed soup bowl
4: it's different than the rimmed cereal bowl
1: yeah Mm -hmm. this
4: is getting insane
1: yep that is uh s-o-r sorry (laughs) sorry about it they're used for serving soups salads and pastas they are 7 to 10 inches, so the white bowls I have.
4: Oh, the giant bowls. Big old
1: boys. Those are our pasta dishes. There you go. Yeah. Many manufacturers substitute the rimmed soup bowl for the bread and butter plate as a part of the typical five-piece setting.
4: Interesting.
1: I wonder if that's because butter is no longer as commonly homemade. So it's just so like... So
4: it's just in a butter... Like a butter dish. Yeah, or butter a, dish. like
1: a butter... What is the French one, butter one?
4: Uh, butter bell? Yeah. The next one is
1: the... <laughs> Lugged soup bowl. That one's S-O-L. Oh, Solly. They are a unique addition to any table. These small soup bowls can be used to serve a variety of hot and cold dishes and feature small tab-like handles.
4: Oh, that's what I have in Mm -hmm. the set I have at home. Yeah. You have a lugged soup bowl. Interesting.
1: Next one is a cream and soup saucer. Or cream, soup, and saucer.
4: Cream, soup, and saucer. Okay.
1: C-S-S. Um, they are an entertainer's delight. Okay, <gasps> Used for serving a variety of soups, these bowls feature two handles and a saucer. So they the two handles that sits on the saucer. Uh-huh. Um, they are generally larger than bouillon soup saucer sets. Soup and saucer. I don't know what the fuck that is. Used in conjunction with the typical five-piece place setting, these bowls add an air of sophisticated elegance to any table. The bouillon soup and saucer, B-O-U, are generally smaller than the cream soup and saucer. These bowls are perfect for serving soups that are made from thin broths. I don't know why. Not thick. Individual pasta We're almost through this. Okay, thank you. Individual pasta P-A-S-I. They're smaller than the regular pasta and they don't have a rim, okay? Okay. Uh, next one is a ramekin. We know what that is. Source code R. Okay? Yeah. Uh, small, heat resistant. We all know what goes in there. Everybody, Straight bitches side. love ramekins. Yeah. Next one is a mug. We know what that is, right? Mm, yeah, M U G is the source code. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> also, they're an informal alternative to the traditional cup and saucer set.
4: <laughs> Thank God we have that.
1: Thank God. Then you have the flat cup and saucer set. Okay, C S F L. Uh huh. The flat cup design has a flat base without a pedestal. The next one is the footed cup and saucer set with the pedestal. Okay. Then we get into the Demi cup and saucer, which is like an espresso cup, mm-hmm. a butter dish. We all know what that is. Salt and pepper shakers, mm-hmm. a gravy boat. Yep. A relish plate.
4: Okay. Uh, is that got the little individual?
1: It can. It's usually like oblong and yeah. is a rim or a coup. It's one of the two.
4: Okay.
1: Um, last, there's a round vegetable. Okay. Oval <laughs> vegetable. Covered vegetable. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's two handles and a lid. Chop plate, <laughs> which is a round platter and often used to serve meat mm-hmm. oval platter often used for meats breads vegetables fruits and cheeses platter varieties sizes range from 12 to 20 inches teapot coffee pot uh creamer sugar bowl one tier serving tray okay that's like the tray with the handle mm-hmm. two tier serving tray three tier serving tray dang cheese pate with a glass dome the source code is chpfdr <laughs>
4: Hell yeah, made it through. Yeah, so from dinner plate all down to C H P R S, whatever you said. I don't remember the last one. D P to
1: C H or P R T S. (laughs) Bathroom, Washington. (laughs) Yeah, so um, it is interesting to me though. Now, like when the next time I get my china set out, it'll be interesting to see what I have in there.
4: I so I have two different sets of sixties dinnerware Mm -hmm. and one is japanese one i'm not sure of the origin Mm -hmm. but both i'm obsessed with i love them both so much and so i'm gonna be on the lookout for because i have like the main settings Uh but i want to like salt and pepper salt and pepper shakers like butter dishes totally i want those
1: it's very it's interesting and then i was thinking about some of the stuff that was in the yard sale today i know there was that noritake dish with the platinum rim that nobody Uh picked up the blue one yep that was a vegetable dish without a rim interesting yeah so i hope you learned like a fraction of that
4: i hope that we made it entertaining too because (laughs) melissa started to fade (laughs) (laughs) it's okay i was very interested until i learned what the name of the salad plate was and then i was like i don't care about this anymore that's okay
1: that's sorry you could fast forward when you listen to this okay i will all right but another interesting thing we talked about with michael and i told the rock story so you do have to listen to the episode for that okay when I talk about your rocks. My rocks. And he inherited a bunch of stuff from his grandfather, who was a rock hound, and he also rock hounds. So we thought we'd tell you where to rock hound in North Carolina. A little
4: bit about rock hound. A little, little,
1: little bit about it, because Melissa's a rock hound.
4: I wouldn't say I'm a rock hound. I, I like rocks. <laughs> <laughs> and when I'm out in public, I pick them up and put them in my pockets. Yeah. The astonishing diversity and variety of rocks and minerals found in North Carolina are, of course, a result of its complex geological history. The oldest rocks of the state were repeatedly metamorphosed, metamorphosed by igneous intrusions, leaving behind large swaths of schists and (laughs) (laughs) G-N-E-I-S-S-E-S. Nice? Nices? Gnei. Okay, sorry. G-N-E-I s-s-e-s yeah i'm out at it yeah no. i'm sorry sorry geologists maybe it's french as well as innumerable peg- pegmatite veins oh i'm glad i've chose that paragraph to read <laughs> um these rocks are the source of north carolina's many beautiful minerals including emerald amethyst beryl, and garnet i know i've never heard of beryl. have you i had a friend in high school his sister's name was Beryl. oh interesting uh, they have long been mined for commercial and recreational purposes and are home to hundreds of current rock hounding destinations. So I am on rock hounding TikTok. Oh, shit. And I don't know. Have you seen the crystal hounds on mm-hmm. TikTok? Oh, my God. They get a pickaxe in the ground and bust it open and out come quartz crystals, like literally the size of my thigh. Yeah. Huge.
1: For and- reference, Melissa's thigh <laughs> is probably the size of an average do you like football
4: no it's bigger than that all right well, okay let me uh the average it's like people say, it's
1: four dinosaurs away from here yeah
4: yeah it's poor, like poor it's like one tenth of a giraffe
1: yes perfect i understood <laughs> immediately yeah thanks
4: they're huge okay like two foot long crystals yeah and every time i'm like oh my god i need to go there and i look and it's always in the carolinas uh-huh. always the gem belt and it's funny because we live in the gem state. Idaho is the gem state. Yeah, and we have star garnets here. Mm-hmm. Um, we we have Idaho opals. Uh huh. And I have been rock hounding like my whole life. My my parents used to take me rock hounding when I was a kid. Yeah. And we have regular never found too. anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And gold. There's yeah. There's lots of mines. There's a opal mine in spencer mm-hmm. and
1: which apparently i was talking to a client who works up at spencer
4: uh-huh. and they are
1: that opal mine produces some of the most rare opals in the world really outside of australia
4: that's amazing mm-hmm. yeah my dad and my stepmom went and d- you know you can just pay like 10 bucks and the, you basically just dig around in their yeah. little quarry they got rid of that what they don't do it anymore how you can go buy they? a bag they don't have the oh mm-hmm. that's the worst mm-hmm. well they came home with some really beautiful specimens like an opal like kind of grows in in seams like gold does and so it's just like rock and then within what is it what is it called the um matrix of yeah. the rock there's a, like seams of opals and you polish them and oh my god they're so beautiful They're so beautiful anyway back to north carolina Uh, hundreds of species of minerals are they species it says species hundreds of species of minerals have been found in north carolina along with almost any type of rock you can think of much of the reason that north carolina is such a famous popular rock hounding destination is the sheer number of collectible gemstones and minerals that can be found here in relative abundance so and it goes on to say like some places will be really rock heavy for a while and then they'll dwindle off either from over farming basically of the rocks or from some sort of land shift like if it rains heavily then Mm. you won't be able to find rocks for a while but um here are some of the precious stones or semi-precious stones that you can find in north carolina amethyst quartz emerald rutile rutil, brutal i don't know uh garnet barrel aquamarine Oh, that's my birthstone. Is it? It's cute. Uh, and I can't, I don't know any of these other ones. Dunite, kyanite, oh. unikite, corundum.
3: Wow. wow. These are
4: all new words to me. Anyway, I want to go to yeah. North Carolina and go rock
1: hounding. Rutile, it's an oxide mineral compound of titanium dioxide. And it is, it's a polymorph. So it's kind of like um, bismuth where it has all the different... Like this- the, the geometric d- shapes yeah cool um it looks really great it's like a dark red black almost like a root beer barrel but a little bit darker
4: Mm-hmm. it's really pretty rutile how cool is that look really quick before it goes away oh beautiful yeah that's awesome yeah i have a large rock collection and very little of which i have actually found myself but once I was sitting on the bank of the snake river Mm -hmm. and I looked down and there was like a flat, like kind of pancake shaped rock with a seam all the way around the outside. And I was like, there is a fossil in there. (gasps) And I expected to crack it open and there to be like a beautiful ammonite or something inside. And I cracked it open and there was nothing. Oh no. And then I looked closer and there's the teeny tiniest little shell, like not even pea sized little clamshell. And I took that home. I have it's the rock is like softball (laughs) size and the teeny tiniest little fossil, because that's the only fossil I've ever found in the wild by myself. Oh, yeah. So that's that's at home sitting in the bookcase that will eventually be my curio cabinet when I have time to fix my house. Mm
0: -hmm.
4: Yeah. And that's my story. I love it. Yeah, and everything else, I I have hundreds of rocks. Everything else, I've bought at garage sales and estate sales because I'm like, ooh, obsidian, ooh, petrified wood, ooh, <laughs> ooh, I'm gonna buy all these.
1: Ooh, yeah. When the house we moved into when I was 16, the f- previous owners were rock rockhounds, mm-hmm. and it sat on a double lot in Shelly, so like a half acre, uh-huh. and the entire backyard was lined with wooden boxes that were filled with rocks And oh, they all had to, they had to move. And so I now I, I, like piss that, like, we obviously oh, yeah. don't own that home. Yeah. But the amount of rocks that are probably just in the dirt at that fucking house.
4: We should just go break in. Just yeah. be like, yo.
1: And my bedroom was his, like, it was a third garage
4: uh-huh.
1: when I lived there. I turned it into like an apartment. Uh huh. And it was his rock hound room where he'd polish and finish all the stuff he found. Wow. Yeah. And the one time I went to girls' camp, when <laughs> they were trying to convert me. <laughs> I got all, all expense paid oh hell yeah camp. nice and it was up in spencer and we went to the opal mine and i was fucking happier than a pig and shit sitting on top of a pile of rocks you spray it with a water bottle then oh, you yeah can fill your bag
4: yeah in fact like in my basement right now i once at an estate sale bought a bag of sapphire but within the aggregate you know mm-hmm. it's just a, a bag of rocks basically mm-hmm. but you have to like what is it called pan yeah pan for the sapphires mm-hmm. We should do that this summer. Yeah, with the kids, that would be so fun.
1: My, I think we have a lot of gold panning stuff. Oh hell yeah! Because my husband got really into it one year. My grandpa did it for a long time and had in his like the, his jewelry box like nuggets of gold that he had
4: found. I love that. Yeah. So it's just it's it's treasure hunting in the wild. It's estate sailing in nature. In nature. And it's h- much nature. harder to find treasures out there.
1: It is, but we have a good time. Yeah.
4: Yeah. But you get to be outside. It's great. Yeah.
1: It's really truly wonderful. I'm excited. A garden's going in tomorrow, both here and at the big one, Mm -hmm. getting that done. Nice. Record tomorrow, find my fucking house, finally. It feels so good to be back on my own two feet. Like It feels so nice to feel like I'm moving in a forward direction. Yeah,
4: I think, so for both Sam and I, this garage sale we ended today is kind of like the final Thing we had to do Mm -hmm. this spring because you know I bought a house, I had to remodel it and then move, and uh, among other things, Sam has. I mean, you've heard all about Sam's Mm -hmm. issues all some all spring, and I feel like this was like the precipice, and now we're on the other side. Yeah, and now we can just uh, enjoy
1: it. Yeah, there's nothing else to work for. So, if you need us to do something, don't fucking ask. (laughs) We're done. That's all I'm saying. Anyways, if you have not check out, uh, checked out Michael's TikTok account, so Michael Ray Williams, both on Instagram and TikTok, we'll, of course, have them linked like we always do. It is delightful. He is a wonderful content creator. He creates beautiful things. He's a beautiful person. We really enjoyed sitting down and talking with him. It was a perfect way for Jill and I to sit back down to, with each other and get back into things. Poor Jill is so busy. I know. <laughs> she had soccer camp all weekend. The kids had games, yeah. three games a day. Oh, my God. For two days. Oh, my God. Yep. And then they're on to high school. <gasps> I know. Crazy. So send Jill your love. She loves everybody. She was so happy to sit back down. It was really, really wonderful. And as always, I really hope
4: that you find some good shit this week. And don't forget to look under the tables. Absolutely. Bye. Bye.